All right, Bert. Me and you this time. Me and you. No puka. We're bringing you episode number 153. Excited to get a new season underway here. Closing out the 2022 racing season. Technically season four. Depends how you look at it. But 153. And of course, we want to give a huge shout out to our friends over in Watertown, South Dakota. Um, Dirt Track Supply. Of course, Ron, Trevor, everybody over there, they do such a great job for racing, not just with their products, with their cars, with their chassis, the parts that they sell, but just great ambassadors to the sport. So just great to have them involved. And got you got to have good people in the sport, and there's a couple of them right there. But uh, Bert Lehman, Ryan Aho, I'm excited to talk a little race, and we got some exciting stuff coming up. But, Bert, should we start with? maybe a little something on the downside and kind of ramp it up to some good stuff after. Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. So uh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So I mean, it's a dirt track show. It's a racing show. It's a racing show. We'll talk a little bit in NASCAR and uh, kind of, you know, everybody was really down on Ty Gibbs a week ago. Right. Cause he was a little, not a little bit, a lot bit aggressive with his, uh, with his teammate there. Well, tragedy struck he wins the xfinity championship this past weekend i mean that's a high point in somebody's life winning any championship xfinity series that's a big deal literally hours later his dad passed away coy gibbs 49 years old passed away in his sleep i have not seen any real details on what happened i don't even know if they're out but i don't know bert that reminds me of the movie blink of an eye right where where Michael Waltrip said, I, I experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows literally within 24 hours of each other. You know, of course, he was really close with Dale Earnhardt. Man, thoughts and prayers to the Gibbs family. I mean, what, what was your thoughts? What went through your mind when you saw that? Well, I was, um, I mean, I saw, I first heard about it on Sunday. Uh, one of the Facebook racing Facebook pages that I follow posted that uh, Coy Gibbs had passed away, and um, you know I was surprised. And then they said that you know he was the same age as was it JD Gibbs who had passed away uh, a few years ago. And um, so yeah, I mean just really, really shocked. Um, you know. Uh, your comparison to the Earnhardt thing is is really close. The only difference is, you know, Earnhardt happened during the race where, um, you know, this happened, you know, you know, during the, I, what I've heard is he passed away in his sleep at night. That's what um, I heard. But yeah, I haven't heard any other details or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, you know, for uh, Ty, you know, um, to go, you know, he went to bed on a complete high, and then you know the next day is just a complete low. Yeah, just just very unfortunate. I mean, to experience something as good as winning a championship, you know, even winning a big race, right? But experiencing the championship, that's supposed to be something you can celebrate. Unfortunately, they're not really able to do that with all that went on, and just a sad deal right there. So hug your hug your loved ones a little bit closer here. Uh, after you listen to the show, because you just don't know, 49 years old is really young. You know, of course, he won the championship in the trucks there, Bert. You watched that race. You had a, a local guy you were kind of cheering for. What, yeah, what I, I, I watched the NASCAR truck race, um, stayed up to watch it because it didn't start till like 930 at night, my time. And, um, 
Uh, yeah, uh, Tommy Jeske, he's from Seymour, Wisconsin, which is only, you know, originally from Seymour, uh, which is only about um, 45 minutes from where I live. And um, he was one of the final four. And I mean, he was in it throughout the entire, I mean, he was fastest in practice, qualified eighth. Uh, well, the interesting thing was, they said, you know, he was fastest in practice, but he said that I can't remember if it was too loose or too tight. I think he was too loose. Well, whatever it was, they, they adjusted on the truck to go the opposite way, but they went too far. So then they had to rein it back in and he kind of was, you know, playing catch up a little bit uh, the entire race, but with uh, like five laps to go, all four of the top, all four of the trucks going for the championship were uh, in the top five. And, um, you know, I, you know, I guess that's the way it should be. And, um, he was trying to get past one of the trucks and spun out on his own, uh, didn't collect any other trucks, didn't take anybody out. And then, uh, they played his, uh, audio after the wreck and he said, I was just going for it. And you have to give him credit for that. So. Yeah, absolutely. So Zane Smith ends up winning the camping world truck series title photo finish kind of a great deal at the end not photo finish but a exciting finish in overtime they had a green white checkered and the top three at the time were all you know top three contenders so that was really good in the cup joey logano dominated that we we're all kind of watching ross chastain christopher bell bell looked like he had some engine issues chastain depending how you look at it little contact there right with chase elliott elliott got turned around into the fence so more drama with, with Ross Chastain, but Logano kind of dominated that race. But Bert, that's enough asphalt stuff for one day. Yeah, well, I just want to say a couple of things about the, the NASCAR thing. I didn't watch the Xfinity, so I'm not sure if Ty Gibbs dominated or not. But in, in the truck race and the cup race, um, the driver who dominated all day won the race. So, I mean, they definitely had the best... Uh, a vehicle for their race and they wound up winning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of how it's been, you know, the, the winner of the race is usually the championship winner, which I guess that's, that's how it should be at the end. So let's jump into what, what do we got next here, Bert? Uh, we, we got a blast from the past uh, brought to you by uh, impact health. We sure do uh, open enrollment time. So self-employed people, you know, business owners, even if even if you're an employee somewhere, if you're paying for your own health care, I might be able to help um, and able to, you know, get costs down to right around $600 a month for families, which is extremely good. Also a $2,500 deductible. So hit me up, hit me up on Facebook, hit me up a uh, text message call. If you don't have my number, post in the comments, you can get it. See if we can help you out and get you some better rates on your health insurance, something everybody needs but uh, something most people are paying too much for. So number 153, I do not have a 153, do you? I do not have a 153. I have a 53. I have lots of 53s. Before you get in, I know you have a couple of 53s. I've got a little trivia for Bert here. 2009 Hillbilly 100 winner at the Tyler County Speedway for $41,000 to win. Oh, uh, Ray Cook? Ray Cook? God, <laughs> this dude, this, he can't get one past Bert there. Um, 
another one here, legendary family. We talked about them last week. Part of the family, I-80 Speedway. You know, Bush, I think they had like a Bush All-Stars Dirt Racing Championships. Uh, you know that Kasi one? Kasiski. At Joe Kasiski this time in the 53. Now I'm going to bounce it back to you. Then we'll bounce it back to me because I got some pretty cool ones here. Okay. Well, I just have one. So you said I should have a couple. So I don't know who I'm missing. Um, <laughs> uh, the one I have is uh, Scott Hansen. Uh, he raced late models in Northeast Wisconsin and in the late 70s, early 1980s. Uh, he was uh, pretty tight with Pete Parker. Uh, one year they actually had a car. The cars were exactly the same, except the numbers were different. And then uh, probably about 83 or 84, uh, he ventured and switched to asphalt full time. And he raced uh, locally on asphalt and won multiple, multiple track champion championships at uh, Wisconsin International Raceway in Kakana. And then he actually, I don't know how for how long, but uh, he actually, I believe he raced, um, um, the NASCAR trucks when they first uh, first started. Okay. When's the last time he raced? Oh, it would have been a while ago. Any, uh, any, I, 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 think, I think he was pretty tight with uh, Kenny Schrader, too. And, you know, so he would race some of the bigger asphalt shows around the Midwest. Um, uh, so uh, he, he made a name for himself, you know, as a... Uh, you know, from a driver from Wisconsin who made a name for himself in other states. Okay. Okay. Cool stuff. So I have one right here. This gentleman right here, I started my racing career with Gary Tuin, uh, lives down by the cities now, but from Kelly Lake, Minnesota, him and I in 1990, when have bought a race car from Bill Matsdorf. I think we each put 600 bucks into it. It wasn't much. And, uh, I tell you, I wish we could do that today. Right. But, we raced for one year, kind of switching duties. He's a couple of years older than me and maybe taught me a couple of bad habits along the way, but a good dude. Saw him a, a few times this year at some invitationals. But Gary Tuin, uh, after our first year of racing together, he got his own car, come out the following year with number 53, had his own ride, and uh, he raced for a couple of years after that. But, you know, another one of those Kelly Lakers up in northern Minnesota, a lot of history there in Kelly Lake. Not as many racers from Kelly Lake now, but man, there was a ton of them. And Gary, uh, I, I owe a lot to him because him and I got started together. Another one I have here, my favorite class, Bert, from back in the 80s, the wing modifieds back at the Cedar Lake Speedway, Larry Collenbach. And I feel like, I'm not positive, but I feel like maybe he was affiliated somehow with Champ Hands. I don't know if he worked there, but uh, he ran the 53 car. And I remember him getting around uh, the high flying oval over at Somerset, Wisconsin. You know, Larry Kallenbach, I don't know if he ever jumped into the late models or not. I don't remember, but I do remember him in a wing modified. Another car from down at the Cedar Lake Speedway, this cat had a really sharp looking ride. It was kind of the precursor to the super stock division. So obviously makes him cool because it just is what it is. But Leroy Nelson had, I think they called them CLS late models at the time. So that was kind of their own version of super stocks. And uh, he ran well. He was a good, strong runner. I don't remember. I don't even know what's happened to the guy. Haven't heard much about him. One of the first guys in a super stock to have an enclosed trailer. 
really sharp looking stuff down at the Cedar Lake Speedway. Up at Proctor, couple I got a couple here from my buddy Lauren. He he sends me stuff over every week. Want to thank Lauren for that. But Dan Turcott ran a super stock number 53 in the early 90s. I don't remember much about him. I think he just mostly ran local. Burt ran over in Proctor, ran a superior. There's a Tom Turcott, Tiggy. I'm not sure. They got to be related. I'm not positive, but he ran for quite a few years up there as well. But Dan Turcott in the super. And then a father-son duo from up north of the border in Thunder Bay. Ralph and Norman Haskinen. Ralph ran the Midwest Mod. Norman ran a super father-son duo. And it sounds like uh, Norman's over in Alberta right now. Good friends with Lauren Inman and Terry Inman and the family there. Lauren said, now that they got a track back at Thunder Bay, he's kind of contemplating, maybe I should get a car again. So I would have to say, yes, you absolutely should get a race car again and uh, continue that on up at the, Thun up at the Thunder City Speedway. And Another one I have here, and I'm gonna, this one has some pretty good stories, Bert. So everybody in the Twin Ports knows this guy, Harlow Filto, okay? So Harlow, I knew him as a flag guy, as an official. Heck, it was only recently I even realized this guy ever raced a car. Good friends of the family. I talked to, talked to his son, Dan, about every day because he works for uh, the same people I work for. And I was actually roommates with his brother, Troy, lived with him for a little while in Superior, Wisconsin. But uh, so Harlow, and picture the cartoon character, right? That you can just, remember in the cartoons, you see the guy get just mad and the neck would shrink up and the face would just get red, right? Remember that? You see that? That's Harlow, right? I think they did them cartoons. That he was a little spitfire. And I was talking to Danny. He goes, I got a couple of good stories. So AJ Folt, one of the best super stock drivers to race up in the Northland for a number of years, he tumbled hard at the superior speedway. I mean, he ripped the fence down at, at superior Harlow was a flagman. Okay. It was right underneath them. Took the lights out. Right. People are like, I bet you had to change your shorts on that one. He says, I didn't even see it happen. Cause he was a flagman. He was focused on the leaders, right. Did not even realize the car rolled over right underneath his feet. I'm like, that's called bad peripheral vision right there like he could not see anything going on around him um remember the story Bert of Charlie Schwartz going to Superior and lapping the field no okay so he went up there there's a little uh, there's a couple different stories I heard he lapped the field that's the story that I knew I was not there but then now I've heard different I heard that he lapped all the way up to second Nesbitt was second and it would have got lapped if there wouldn't have been a yellow but get this so Harlow was actually on the Tri-State, or I think it was Tri-State Speedway board, somehow affiliated. Back then, no cell phones, no internet, right? So it was common for drivers from out of state to be calling the track and, and or whoever the track number was, and it was their home number typically, hey, can I run here? Am I legal? So Schwartz was down in Iowa the night before this event, okay? He's down in Iowa, wins a race, not sure what the track is, somebody might know. He calls up to Harlow. That's the number on the speedway on the, on the ad. He goes, Hey, can I run up there? He goes, am I legal to race there? He goes, yeah, hell, I think so. He goes, uh, you know, our, our rules basically say if you're legal at your home track, you're legal here. So it was kind of a home track rules. Now we can't do that with Wasoda anymore because that don't work. Right. But back in the day, you could have that home track rule deal. 
So he's like, well, I don't really have a home track. I just kind of travel. He goes, well, who is this? Well, Charlie Schwartz. Arlo didn't have a clue. He goes, I don't know who Charlie Schwartz is. I have no idea who that is. So he's like, well, yeah, well, what the hell? Yeah, you can race. He goes, well, do I got to take my uh, spoiler? And he had, he had the big boards, you know, the sideboards and all that. Do I got to take that off? He goes, I don't know. It doesn't say nothing to the rules. He goes, what track is closest to you? And he told him the track. Is it legal to run there? Yeah, well, shit, keep it on. You're legal to run here. He's like, I didn't even know what sideboards. I didn't even know what that stuff was. Yeah, good enough. Come on up. He come up. He just waxed their ass. I mean, it, I mean, he won a lot of races back in the day. And he's like, yeah. Then he realized later who Charlie Schwartz is. But he's like, I didn't know who Charlie Schwartz was. I didn't know what sideboards. I guess the next week, a whole bunch of the late model guys in Superior come out with all kinds of contraptions for spoilers. They had plywood down the side, all kinds of crazy stuff. I wish I had pictures of some of that because it's pretty cool stuff. And uh, another thing, so we talked a little bit about jump starts several times on the show, right? So Harlow was a flag man, then he was a fish, a, a head judge, a couple different things. Well, over in Superior, and I remember getting docked for this myself, so it was probably him. So I don't know how to feel about this conversation, but Steve Rosine, uh, you remember the Rosine name, he won a feature there in the Super Stocks. And story has it that he come up afterwards with his check over to Harlow. He's like, what the hell is this? Well, it looks like a check to me, right? What are you talking about? He's like, I won the race. He goes, well, it says third. Well, they, they changed the rule because everybody kept jumping that if you jumped, you'd get docked at the next yellow two spots for every car you jumped, right? And if there was no yellow, they would do it right at the pay window. There was no yellow. He got third and Rosine was just chewing them. And I guess Harlow's neck kind of shriveled up. He had two beers in his hand. He's just shaking. By the time the conversation was done, he had beer all over his shoes. Both glasses were empty. Never drank a drop. And uh, Steve Rosine left and he still didn't win the race. So he's kind of a feisty one. They actually called him the crazy Frenchman. So there's a guy up there, Bert, by the name of Ulu, Dwayne Ulu Erickson, late model guy. Uh, Puka would remember that name. And they got into an altercation. He bent, he, I think he broke a spindle. Literally threw, he's in the infield. This is at the ABC Raceway. Harlow threw his helmet at him, right, in the car. Went right through the car, out the other side. Then he kicked it and he chased it through the car again. This is all going on during the race. And the announcer at the ABC Raceway said, man, you know, stopped announcing the race. He goes, look at that crazy Frenchman down in the infield down there. He's just going bonkers. I mean, I might've had a few talking to from Harlow about like the way that I reacted at times. I wish I would have known this beforehand because I probably could have thrown that one back in his face. So some pretty cool stories there on 53 bird, a little blast of the past. And, you know, thanks uh, Dan and Lauren for contributing to that a little bit. And let's jump on to the next segment here. Yeah. Our <clears throat> top five moments of the week uh, brought to you by, uh, Brad Parson, Egg Solutions, and Eggzyme. Yeah, you know, let, let's face it. We, we know, we know what? We know that if you soften your tires, it gives you an advantage. Is that fair enough? So yeah. the right chemicals <laughs> put in the right place will give you an advantage. Eggzyme's the same deal, except it's legal, okay? So Eggzyme is the right chemicals to mix with your fertilizer solutions, put it right in your current spray packages, for next year 
and it's going to yield you better results, no different than softening your tires. The right chemicals gives you the right results. Get a hold of Brad. He knows about the right chemicals. I'm not saying he knows about tire stuff, okay? I'm not saying that, but he does know about Eggzyme and some great solutions to help farmers up in uh, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, and he'll take good care of you. So get a hold of Brad Parson. Yeah, uh, why don't you start with our, our number five moment of the week? So you remember this clip off of Cool? You ever see the movie Cool Runnings? Yeah, I, I feel very Olympic today. Ah, feel the rhythm, feel the ride. Get on up, it's bobsled time, Cool Runnings. Well, you remember the time when they went down in the Olympics in the first time and he choked, right? So you got John Candy going, man, you had it. It was yours for the taking. You choked, right? David Graham narrows it down to 16 points right there for the taking. And he choked. It was his. It was coming. Sweet was done. And he choked. And as a result of David Gravel choking, Brad Sweet won his fourth straight World of Outlaw Sprint Car Championship. Unbelievable. And quite honestly, he, he didn't have the dominating car, but he's like T-Mac, right? Just ultra consistent, always there, always in the hunt. Had a hell of a weekend. I think his worst finish was fifth, a pair of thirds. So a good weekend for Brad Sweet, but the big cat back on top yet again. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you know, he wasn't running for the lead, but he got a third, a third, and a fifth. And, you know, he that it just seems like his entire year has been that, that way. Actually, before we sat down to record this, I went to see how many wins he has this year, and he has five wins. And I didn't realize Carson Macedo has 11 wins. Um, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> oh. I think I looked at that right. I mean, maybe I looked at it wrong, but um, um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, Gravel got a sixth, a tenth, and eleventh. So um, he felt he fell a little bit further back after the first feature, and then the, the next two, he was just just back there. So yeah, um, it's got to be a little bit disappointing because you know he had closed. I mean, he had gained like a hundred points over a several week span and then he kind of uh, laid an egg <laughs> uh, championship weekend. So um, that, that happens. <laughs> Still a hell of a year for gravel. Sweet only one DNF and that was what two weeks ago or three weeks ago that really closed the gap a bunch, but uh, another great year for Brad Sweet. And well, and you know, I was talking about Carson Macedo. I think it said 11 wins. Remember, he was disqualified one race and they took all his points away. And he was 100 and some points out of the, the lead in the final standing. So I, I don't know how many points that cost him, but, uh, you know, it would have been a lot closer if he wouldn't have been, uh, if he wouldn't have lost those points. Yeah, I forgot completely about <laughs> We talked about that in the show. Well, it seems like forever ago. So number four, here's something we heard every night after the big block modified feature down there. Oh, Canada. They actually had fans down in Victory Lane and after every feature because it was a Team Canada sweep. They won all three nights down there in the big block mods. And uh, they actually sang Oh, Canada in Victory Lane. And it was, it was impressive. I mean... Looking at it, Matt Williamson doubled up. He won night one and night three, but Matthew Desjardins 
um, from Quebec. Kind of a crazy, that's like a Formula One name or something. That's not a oh, dirt. Well, and I mean, did you watch his interview after the race? I, he definitely I has a French, I, I believe it's French, a French accent. And he actually did part of the interview in French. I don't know if he intended to do it, but he just started talking in French in French and it's like I don't understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah that's up in Quebec right so I mean they, they speak there's a lot of French speaking people up there but that was his first career in the UMP big block modifieds as well so on a big stage but team Canada getting it done I think the United States drivers should be awfully happy there was no Canadians other than Ricky I think in the late models and then in the sprint cars I don't know if there's any Canadians there but uh, if the Canadians kind of showing their force down there in Charlotte and this isn't Canadian, but I just want to mention um, um, Tim Fuller's back race in the big block modifieds. I was he, watching, the, the, watching the, the highlight. What? What's that? He battled for the lead the yeah. one night. Yeah, because, you know, I saw number 19 and then they said Tim Fuller. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. He used to race late models. I have a Tim Fuller uh, side panel hanging from my ceiling down here. <laughs> I, well, he was teammates with T-Mac, wasn't he? Yeah, they're yeah, they were both they were both sponsored by uh, what was it, Sweet Plus or Sweeteners Plus? I think it was Sweeteners Plus. Yeah. So number three, Superman flies again, right? Night number one. Let's be honest. Well, I'm like, I was just gonna say it took him a while to take air, but uh, somebody had kryptonite on him on uh, Wednesday the first night because he failed to qualify for the for the feature the first night. Yeah, and he mentioned in Victory Lane after night number, th I guess on Saturday night, that that car that he ran Wednesday night, he's like, it's got to be bent or something. Like, they sent that one right back to yeah. Longhorn. Like, this thing's not right. They took. He's like, we took out the old car that's been good, but it's an older car, and uh, he, he charged to the front. I don't remember where he started, but he had to pass his way up, and he went up to the high side and just absolutely cruised by everybody narrowing in on 2 million. I don't think he's quite the 1.9 has an opportunity here this weekend. We'll see what happens, but JD, uh, he got her done down in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't watch the heat races, but he must've got into Tanner English in the heat race on, yeah. on the final on Saturday night. Uh, Cause I was reading that uh, apparently JD went over to English after the heat race and offered to, help repair the car because he felt bad about what happened yeah he, yeah he did he definitely got into him but i mean that that's that's the racing community i'm not saying everybody does that but it's pretty cool that he he owned it he's like hey i messed up this is on me it's my fault how can i make it right i mean and and that's first class right there you know and that's why jd is jd that's why he's got a lot of fans so number two let's bring it back to the great state of wisconsin bert what do you got um, yeah, uh, the World of Outlaws awarded their uh, Promoter of the Year award, and it went to a Wisconsin track, uh, Mississippi Thunder Speedway. And, uh, you know, Mississippi Thunder Speedway, what, this, this was their second year of holding a World of Outlaw event, and this year they made it a three-night show, and, you know, it got good reviews from everything that I heard, and they were rewarded for their effort. <clears throat> Yeah, Bob, Tim, Tyrone, Lingenfelter, it's kind of the dynamic duo down there, right? I mean, I think they gave most of the credit to Bob in the article that I saw, but it's both of them. They do everything together. They, they work so well together from what that place was, right? There's a lot of history there with the trioval, 
but what it is now, what a transformation. Them guys have done a hell of a job. We gave them track of the year a couple of years ago on the one to go show. And uh, they just continue to raise the bar and uh, a premier, I guess a premier facility in the Northern half of the country. If you have not been to the Mississippi Thunder Speedway down in Fountain City, Wisconsin, put it on your calendar for 2023. You will not be disappointed. Yep. And uh, that brings us to our, our number one uh, moment of the week. Well, actually occurred over a two night span, uh, but a veteran got it done. You know, we thought, I thought it was a big, and it was when he won the, the um, Knoxville nationals earlier this year, that was epic. Right. But Donnie shots book ending, the season he won the very first night down at Volusia and not only did he win the final night he won the second to last night and the last night doubling up winning two straights to end the year in world of all that sprint car action great to see Donnie shots getting it done he's still fast he still got it that slid him up in the fourth and points a lot of DNFs in there if not for them DNFs he might have had a little something to say about things but he just uh they fought some engine stuff they transitioned over you know, and I think they heard an engine here a couple of weeks ago as well, but he's going to be speaking at the Wissota banquet here uh, this coming weekend, but great to see Donnie shots. I think I was looking at notes, Bert, and I think 2019 was the last time that he went back to back on, on consecutive nights with world of all sprint car wins 2020. He did it, but that was an, he did it down in Australia. So that wasn't woo, but I think 2019, it was the last time he went back to back. So Great to see the old guys still got it. Yeah, it, it was good to see him in victory lane. And uh, in victory lane, one of the nights, he said that the team had gone testing. And through that testing, it got them feeling. He said, we got the feeling that we should be feeling, meaning basically meaning that we know what we should be doing now and everything is working good in the car. So, uh, so yeah, those are our top five moments of the week. And um now we're going to move into another area as we record this it is election night uh but ryan has two donkey awards and he's not talking about um uh democrats here <laughs> oh shots fired across the ball <laughs> man i tell you what so this this weekend i had people sending me stuff so over at atomic you know this is not atomic speedway they, they leased out the track bird to i think it's renegade uh promoting group or renegades of dirt or whatever promoting group right so they rented out the track and i believe it was the jackie boggs memorial race they were hosting night number two was supposed to be fourteen thousand to win okay well at the pit meeting i will give them credit for at least saying it at the pit meeting that they were cutting a purse they didn't throw no surprises in there right at the pit meeting they come up and they said look we ain't going to be able to do it. We ain't going to be able to pay the purse. We're paying 4,000 to win. We're hoping to be able to pay that crowd ain't good. It's just not working out. Devin Moran, some mod guys and some others decided, Hey, you know, you do what you got to do. We're not supporting that. We're going to load up. We came here. We were promised 14,000 to win. Moran only got third the first night. He might not have won anyway, but uh, just saying, but the fact is they cut the purse, right? So now let's talk about, the world of outlaws, right? Because it's I, I hate cutting the purse. Okay, I'm gonna get into that in just a little bit. 
World of All Laws on Shane McDowell's Facebook page, Shane McDowell Racing Facebook page, he made the comment he was not happy. So on the World of Outlaws site, it actually has what they what they're supposed to pay. Here's your purse for a ten thousand a win show, all the way through start money. Here's your purse for 15, 20, 25. And it lays it all out there what all the racetracks are supposed to pay on any night they host the World of Outlaw race. Well, they decided, well, they being World Racing Group, they decided, you know what? We don't have to play by our own rules. So they paid the 25000 to win purse. And then they chopped the purse throughout the middle of the field, never told a single person about it. They literally found out when they got their checks, right? Shane McDowell's like, what the hell? You think racers are stupid or something? Like, seriously, like, it says this is what we're supposed to get paid. This is what we got paid. This is bullshit. Kind of reminds me of the Wasota Promoters Association, right? They pulled that shit with the Wasota 100, right? They did it two years in a row. We'll talk more about that in a second. Bert, I want your thoughts on racetracks, just promote racetracks, series is promoters just up and deciding ah we ain't gonna we, we're gonna cut the purse sometimes they even sometimes like the world vote us sometimes they don't even tell you they just do it they just what's your thoughts on that um well i mean obviously I, I it's bad for the sport i mean if you advertise a purse um and you don't adjust the purse before drivers arrive at the track um i believe it's False that I mean it's false advertising. I mean, you know, you advertise that this is what you're gonna pay, everybody shows up and then you say something different. Uh so you know, that is false advertising. Um now at least in Atomic's case, um they did tell the drivers ahead of time, you know, the drivers were already there, but at least they did inform the drivers about the cut. Um, and if, you know, I read the story, uh, that Devin about Devin, uh, Moran not racing and, you know, he said that he wanted to race, but if he races, if he would have raced, it would be like condoning, you know, saying it's okay that you do that. Just right. do it again in the future and we'll still come back, you know, because if you do it once and the, and the driver still race the likelihood of it happening again is going to be greater than if all the drivers would have revolted. Um, now with the world of outlaws where they didn't even say anything, you know, that's kind of, that's, well, I'll just say that's kind of shady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll take the word out of it. That is not shady. Um, didn't you go to a concert this weekend? Did you go to a concert? Yes, I went to a concert this weekend. What, who, I, went, who, I went to the Ace Freely concert in Green Bay. He was an original guitarist for the band Kiss. There you go. There you go. So let's imagine, if we will, right, that whoever decided to promote that event brought him in. And let's say they promised him, I don't know, I don't even know what he gets paid. But let's say he got promised $100,000, which he's not a $100,000 person right now. But let's just say it's hundred grand. And all of a sudden it gets all said and done well we didn't quite have the turnout you know that thought we were going to get so i'm just going to go ahead and pay you 50 grand today thanks for coming how would that work out it wouldn't work out very well <laughs> what if what if before the concert the promoter walked up to him and said look i know we told you we we're going to pay you 100 grand but 
it just just not enough people here. So you can still perform, but we're only going to pay you 50. He'd be like, yeah, BS, I'm out, right? I'm proud of Devin Moran for, and some of the other drivers that said, you know what, we ain't putting up with this, right? We're going to load up. Ask, go right. ahead and ask Pat Noer about cutting purses. He literally will not race at the Brown County Speedway, right? Why? Because there was a Rumble series put on years ago. The purse was cut, and he's like, he owes me money. That promoter owes me money, right? He, he promised this. He paid this. He owes me money. He pays me. I will support his shows again. That is a bad deal. You can't be doing that. Racing costs too much to be screwing people over. Right. And like I said, at least in a, in a comics case, you know, the drivers were informed ahead of time. And we talked about this on the show uh, back in early September. I talked about that asphalt race at uh, Marshfield Super Speedway that I went to. And the race was not put on by Marshfield Super Speedway. It, the track was rented by by a promoter from Florida, actually. And um, they ran the entire show, twin 55 lap features. You know, drivers are supposed to receive 500 to start each race. So basically $1,000 they were supposed to get just to start each race. And I mean, if they had 200 people in the stands, they were lucky. And the promoter called a driver's meeting after the races were over. And I kind of, I kind of had a feeling what was being discussed and basically said, I don't have the money to pay you. So, I mean, I, I don't know if any drivers got any money um, or, you know, they surely didn't get, you know, what was promised. <laughs> you know, and it's not the driver's fault. Racers work hard to get their car ready. They buy tires. They're putting their time, money, effort into it to get to a track with an expectation of if I perform at a high level, I'm going to get this. If I don't do very good, I'm going to get this. And when they don't get what they're promised, that's not a good deal. I was right. at the small brawl here, Bert, last year, I think it was. I was down there with my buddy Dave Dulciak, which his night didn't do very good. I, I still owe him one for talking him into that deal. But the weather was awful. It was awful. The weather was, it was windy. It was just crappy. It was kind of misting out. And I went up to Tony Izzo, a 16 promotions. We all know who Tony Izzo is. And I said, man, it looks bad, dude. Like, are you, are you going to chop the purse on this deal or what? And he looked me straight in the eyes. He goes, no, I, I, I won't do that. He goes, if all of a sudden the weather was great and I have twice as many people here as I thought would show up, would I pay them any more? He goes, no, I'd pay him what I promised. He goes, same thing here. I have less people in. It's not, it's, it's, it's planning. You get sponsors, you find ways to make sure that you're covered in case of bad situations. And, and you can't, you can't put it on the racers because you don't know how to run a business. Right. And he flat out paid the person. I guarantee he lost money that night. Right. He, there's no way he made money that night. There was nobody in the grandstands, but he was a racer. Right. He raced. He understood what it was all about. Like I raced, I paid for it. I, I was on that side for many, many years. And if somebody cut the purse, I was pissed. I wasn't going to support their events anymore. This, this stuff's got to stop. It can't be cutting purses. You, promoters, series directors, whoever you are, if you can't pay the purse, that's on you. Don't put that on the drivers. And here's the deal. All these series directors, right, sometimes they make money, sometimes they don't go good. It's just, it just like, it's just the way it is. 
I'm a firm believer that you should give them an IOU. If you can't pay the purse right there, you say, look, hey, here's the deal. I'm paying you this now. I flat out owe you this much money. I will make it right. If it takes a little while, you're not going to be happy about it as a driver. But at least you come back and you pay your debts that you owe to other people. A person can respect that, right? I mean, you ain't going to be happy about it as a driver. But the fact is, at least then you can sleep at night. And I don't know how some of these people do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> what do we got next there, big guy? Uh, recap of uh, the world, the races at Charlotte. Uh, do, you, uh, do you have any other thoughts uh, regarding that? You know, the thoughts I had. So, yeah, we'll just touch a little bit more on that. We touched, of course, on the big block mods, the winners there. Uh, Williamson, one, well, two, one, one. Go ahead. One thing about the big block mods, uh, the point leader, he's he's. He better be glad that he had that championship clinched before the final three races because he broke in two of the three races. <laughs> yeah, Matt Shepard did not have a good weekend. I will know, right, for anybody that's wondering, that all three champions that, that were crowned on the weekend had blue cars. I've said it for year, years. Blue makes you fast. I mean, look at Brokings, for example. Bob Broking blue, Johnny Broking red. I looked at the points at the Grand Rapids Speedway. Dad whooped the shit out of them. It's a blue car. It just is what it is. Okay. Sprint car racing. Night number one, Logan Schuhart got it done and then shots double up. In the late models, I think the best race of the weekend was night number one. Mikey Marlar from ninth drove by Clanton at, uh, late late in the race. That was a good race. That was, that was a good, good race. And Saturday's race was good with, with uh, Davenport on the high side. Um, I mean, I mean, actually... I've never been a huge fan of the racing at Charlotte. Just be, I mean, it's a beautiful facility, but the racing just hasn't been that great there. It's, it seems like it's been in years past. It's been dust has been a problem. Uh, but I thought this year's racing action was pretty good there. They seem to get a decent amount of moisture into the track. And uh, especially the third night, it had a cushion that the drivers could actually use. So I thought, Racing-wise, I thought it was one of the better races, one of the better racing weekends at the Charlotte track. I would totally agree, Bert. Um, I, I got to give an A-plus to the track prep crew down there because, I mean, they had four nights of high-powered race cars going around that place, a lot of racing to go on, and, and they, they hit the nail on the head. I mean, the track was good. It was racy, and I you can't ask for a whole lot better. Of course, Tanner English won night two in the late models. Kind of cool. You see he's heading out west. He's going to Vegas. Yep with a 96 on the side, bringing back a little throwback number with the 96 there, Terry yep. English number. Kind of cool to see Tanner getting victory lane. He had a good year as well, but uh, I think Charlotte overall, uh, I, I got to say, if you had to compare the two, right, the finale at Portsmouth, the Dirt Track World Championship, as compared to the oh, world okay. at Charlotte. To no comparison. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that takes us uh, to our next segment. Um, you're going to be busy, uh, coming up in a few days. Um, how are you planning for, uh, the Wissota meetings that you're going to? Well, I, I, I got my bail bondsman all set up. In case we <laughs> go to jail. Um, I, I do have that set up just in case. Uh, I let my, I let my girlfriend know that if, if she doesn't hear from me for a night, I'm probably in jail. Um, it's getting settled down. I, I, okay. Settle down. 
Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I got a chip on my shoulder, right? I'm a little bit, I'm frustrated with the whole way everything's going and with soda right now. I mean, there's just, there's so much to fix. I just hope something can happen down there this weekend. I'm going to go down there and I, you know me, I ain't going to be quiet, right? I will say my piece. And, wow. and because I love racing though, Bert, it's like, so some people are like, oh man, he's so critical of Wissota. Well, yeah, they're terrible. They ain't done nothing right in 25 years. What are you talking about, right? I want them to be great. I want racing to be great. I want to see improvements. And that's the whole reason I'm going. Well, you say that there's a whole lot to fix, but how do you go about fixing, fixing stuff? Because one person can't, I mean, it's a promoter's association. So you can go there, go there and say all you want, but if nobody walks behind you nothing's going to happen yeah there's a lot of people and this is this is a thing right because i've had conversations with tons of promoters tons of them right and they're all like this got to change and that got to change this time i'm going to be there it'll be time to see who puts their money or puts their money where their mouth is right right let's all collectively make this better and and quite honestly you know it's a rules meeting right and i get it they, they're going to talk rules and, and all that the priority bird, right? The rules, I get it. There's some rules that need to be changed. I get all that, right? The culture of the Wasota Promoters Association as a whole sucks. It's terrible. Like it is absolutely awful. The drivers haven't bought in. There's it's just there the culture has to change. That should be the number one priority. I know they got some things in the plans, but none of them are culture changing things. They have a lot of work to do, but they got to put, you know, it's like you can't wipe before you poop, right? You got to, you got to fix what needs to be fixed first. And if they don't do that, they're just going to continue to lose tracks and have problems. And I'm, I'm caution, cautiously optimistic on some things and I'm not real optimistic on others. Well, you talk about losing tracks. Uh, is there something... Is there some uh, controversy going on? Well, there is, right? So let's look at the state of Wisconsin. You got four Wissota tracks, four and a half, because Tomahawk's got street stocks. They, they brought them in, I guess, this past year. So they got four and a half, okay? That's it. That's all there is in the entire state of Wisconsin. Now, I want you to think back, and I get some tracks fell off for different reasons, but let's be honest. Cedar Lake Speedway has been a staple in in the northland for dirt track racing for decades right that has been when people talk wisconsin dirt tracks cedar lake's always been at the forefront of that conversation they had wasota 100s there for years right they get in a pissing match with certain members at the time of the wasota promoters association they want to do something different with late models certain person said oh no if you do that with late models guess what you can't be wasota anything right? Kind of playing hardball with them. So Cedar Lake gave them a proverbial finger and said, well, screw you then. We don't need you. And they struggled, I think, a little bit for cars a couple of years, but they're right back where they were. You know, they got they got a great culture, great car counts. I mean, they're they're doing fine. They don't need Wasota. Wasota needs them, okay? That was a big dick measuring contest is all that was, right? At It's 20 years later, Bert. It's, that happened back, I guess it would have happened in 2006, right? It is not 
it's hard to believe it's been that long already. Yeah, <laughs> we're approaching 20 years of Wissota without the Cedar Lake Speedway. Let's be honest. They finally had a couple of Wissota races thanks to the Steffes Speedstock Tour, right? They had a couple of Steffes races. Get them somehow back involved with Wissota. Now the Wissota Promoters Association decided it's not good enough to wreck our relationship with an entire state of Wisconsin. Let's try to screw it up in South Dakota too, right? The Wissota 100 has always been a bidding process, right? And, and I will say this, okay? Fergus Falls is a great location for the 100. It's centrally located. The track was good. There's a few things they don't have that's, that's as good as what Huron has, but the area and all that, it's, it's, a good, it's a good facility. Don Shaw does a great job at the I-94 Sure Step Speedway. However, it was at, it was at Huron, right, for a, for a number of years. The camping there is second to none. I mean, there's parking for days out at the Dakota State Fair Speedway. Well, Orville Chenoweth, extremely upset about the fact that there was not even a conversation. It was literally like, here, we'll just extend your lease. And, and he feels slighted. There might be more to the story, Bert. I, don't, I might not have all the facts. But the fact is this. He's pissed. They're planning on hosting an event against the Wasota 100. You'd have one on each side. That would be terrible for racing. That'd be terrible for Wasota. And when drivers start saying, screw it, we don't need Wasota. Well, if Huron folds, then maybe Miller says, well, screw it. We'll just do our own thing. Maybe Aberdeen. Next thing you know, you got a big problem. You got a whole other state without Wasota. North Dakota already only has a couple tracks. They, their, their customer skills, their people skills, the way that they, it's just awful. They, they got to figure this out. And I'm not saying you just go ahead and give the 100 to Huron. I'm not saying that. Right. But the way they just go about things is just, it's unbelievable. And then, I mean, we talk about the 100, we're talking about cutting purses, right. For two years in a row, right? They cut the purse at the 100. And just like Shane McDowell says, well, they must think racers are stupid because they just cut it out of the middle and they didn't even post the 100 pay this year until like right before the 100 because they didn't want people to catch it, make a big deal. Why are you cutting the purse? You should be making things better, not making things worse. It just, the there's just a lot going on there, Bert, that needs fixed and, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, speaking of that, I'll, I'll carry on with this on my top, my soapbox. <laughs> so I was looking back at past issues of all the dirt in 1998. Okay. First of all, in 1998, Bert, who won the Wasota Late Model National Championship? 98 did uh, Parker would have won it in like 96, 97. Did he win it in 98 too? Yeah, he did. Okay. He did. Parker in 98. So, and Brian Strand won the months. So in 1998, it was $10,000 to win the Wasota Late Model National Championship. 7500 to win the Wasota Modified National Championship. Okay. What do you think it pays this year? Uh, the same. The same. <laughs> Is the same the same? Is it? Because if you look, right, just Google it, right? $10,000 in 1998 is the equivalent of over $18,000 today. Okay. 
the do- I mean, it's, that's just reality of life with inflation. Everything has reflected that. Fuel prices, tire prices, car prices, shocks, engines, entry fees. Everything's gone up, right? Except the purse. Now, I get it, Bert, on a track level. I get it because they only have so much money to put back into it. I get it, right? And a lot of the racetracks are promote, are board ran. They're just volunteers. I get it. But the Wasota Promoters Association is an entity that's supposed to be promoting, looking out for the betterment of the sport. They are, if you're not ripening, you're rottening. They are regressing in every way possible. For the life of me, I don't understand why they have not done anything to improve their product. And it reflects, when you look at the national standings, Bert, every class has like one person, maybe two, that kind of chased after a national championship, right? Nobody races for it anymore. So think about this. What is the one thing, Bert, that credit card companies are really good at? Getting new customers? <laughs> Incentivizing, right? You think about points. You got airline miles and all these points to buy stuff, right? Let's face it. Credit cards are not a good thing, right? Especially in the hands of a race car driver. Trust me, I know, okay? <laughs> not a good thing. But the fact is, they incentivize you. You go further in debt, it will give you all these points, right? And most people don't pay their bill off. So the interest they accrue is far more than the value of the points they get. So they're literally incentivizing you to make bad decisions, right? But they're good at incentivizing. Well, why does nobody race for a national championship? Because they're, or a track championship. There's no incentive. There's no incentive. Show me the money, right? Get after it, get some sponsors, put more money out there on the table let's build this culture up. Let's get people excited about racing for championships. It wasn't financially worth it 20 years ago. Sure. The hell not financially worth it now It's because it pays less and it costs more. That's got to be fixed. That should be the number one priority right there of Wissota is how do we fix that? What are some steps that we take? And they got a whole bunch of other stuff going on, Bert, that literally just, we'll, we'll talk more about this next week when I get back. Okay. Well, what else is going? What else is going on there? Um, they have the meetings, the banquet. Oh man, Bert, are you trying to get me in trouble before I even go? Like seriously? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just going down the agenda. <laughs> right, right. They got they got the expo. Okay, so they're having an expo. You want to talk about the biggest ball dropping? thing that they've done in a while it's this this is a joke right i mean it's a joke in expo right should be let's get a whole bunch of parts vendors and chassis manufacturers car builders engine builders let's get them all here to promote their products to drivers and let's do all that right nope in st cloud i'll give you just one example super stocks right there's 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 several brands, but there's two top ones. TRC up in Hibbing, an affordable chassis built literally about a mile and a half from where the freaking banquet is. Do you suppose that anybody called them and said, hey, we're having an expo over here. Will you guys want to set up a booth? Unbelievable. They didn't call anybody, Bert. They got like, they got uh, US Foods there and some insurance stuff and 
like nobody cares. There ain't nothing. There ain't one race car driver that's going, oh man, I'm excited. I get to go look at Shane Sebraski's car. Nobody cares, right? So it's just going to be a big BS session. It's going to be unproductive. Nothing good coming out of it. Here's where they dropped the ball, okay? In my mind, think we talked about the IMCA Boone Super Nationals, right? At the Boone Super Nationals, they have so many contingency awards in victory lane for the winner, you can't even see the race car, right? I mean, it's, it's incredible. It took them years to build that. I get it. That doesn't happen overnight, okay? But if you're going to have an expo, why not take some time? First of all, don't start planning it a week and a half before the freaking event, okay? That, that's just ridiculous. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Two and a half weeks. Stupid, okay? That's just awful. Okay, this if they're doing an expo at the banquet in 2023, you know, when they should start planning that right after the banquet this year. Okay, or or at least in the spring. So you have all summer. In my mind, they should have reached out to every single parts manufacturer, chassis builder, engine builder, everybody. Hey, we're having an expo. Love to have you have a booth. Got a couple different options for you. Right. Get them over to the expo. And if it were me, you know what I would have been doing? Okay, it's X amount of dollars to get in to have a booth, right? Or you can donate some product. If you're a drive shaft company, right? Fast shafts, just give a drive shaft to every feature winner at the Wasota 100 and we'll give you a booth at the expo. If you're a, you know, all the parts manufacturers, they could have done that. Get enough money coming in from, from tangible money to cover the expense of it because the expo should not be a money maker. It should be a way to market. It should be a way to promote is what it should be. So the, why not start them conversations so we can get contingencies and do something good for the racer? Instead, they're like, oh, we're having a we're having a freaking pub crawl on Friday and Hot Carl's coming on Saturday. Both probably pretty cool things, but my goodness, do you think that's the number one priority? Is that really, really what you should be focusing on? Come on, guys. Let's, let's get it together and... You know, it, it's just it's going to be an interesting weekend. It's going to be interesting. All right. Well, maybe we should move on then to uh, the last <laughs> draft. We'll, we'll talk some more. Folks, stay tuned, right? I will have a <laughs> recap from the meetings and the banquet and the expo on next week's show. You don't want to miss it. All right. Let's uh, move on to the last lap, which is brought to you by Zuli's race engines. I hope he has a booth there. Hopefully they called him. I don't know if they did. I'm expecting him to be there. He'll probably be at the meetings, I'm guessing. Um, but the fact is, one thing they know how to do is build horsepower, build horsepower that lasts, and build horsepower that wins races and championships. This is the time of year. Get on the list. Get a hold of Zuli race engines, and uh, you'll be glad you did. We'll be seeing your face and, and car on his Facebook page um, in 2023. So if you can't beat them, join them. All right, and that brings us to uh, who's hot and who's not. And uh, I just realized that the two drivers I picked are both not hot. Um, <laughs> I didn't pick a hot one, uh, but I'll just go with uh, um, who's hot is uh, Canadian racers. I'll go with that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with Donnie Shots, right? Doubling up to close out the season. Um, great to see. I like seeing, I saw, he's a local guy. He's a former Wasoda championship sprint car series, multiple championships there. So, I mean, he's kind of one of our own there, so to speak. So good to see him finish off in a big way. Bert, who's not? Um, I'm going to go with David Gravel. You know, he had a chance to, uh, um, 
you know, challenge for the championship. And, you know, there, I mean, the odds were probably against him to win the championship, but uh, uh, he just went backwards. You know, he, you know, he didn't even make a push for it. Uh, so he didn't have a very good weekend. I'll go with series tracks, event promoters and all that that have zero vision. That's what I'm going to go with. Right. So first of all, these tracks and series of cut purses, donkey awards. I mean, that is just horseshit. You can't be doing that. That's ridiculous. Right. I mean that don't promise something and then not deliver. You can't do that, but life in general, you should be looking to get better, right? You should strive to be the best. You should try to make, instead of just sticking with the status quo, why are we not just trying to improve our product all the time? And, and I get it. Okay. I'm not, I know that there's a lot of board run tracks out there that got volunteers. I get it. And there's some people running tracks simply because nobody else will. I get it. Right. But if you have the capabilities of potential, let, let's raise the bar. Let's make 2023 better for dirt track racing as a whole. I think it's something that we can definitely do. Before we jump into the next part, Bert, you sent me a message here last week, uh, a couple days ago. Little news, Central Wisconsin. What's going on over there uh, this week? Um, are you talking about the Dateline episode? No. Um, yeah, supposedly I saw this on a friend's Facebook page, so I, I hope it's accurate. Um, but on Dateline on Friday, this coming Friday night, um, they're going to be talking about, and I, I don't know the person's name. You, you probably know the person's name. Or, okay. Well, uh, the murder, somebody who was murdered in central Wisconsin, and he was a co-owner of Monster Hall Raceway at the time, I believe. Nope. And apparently yeah. they did some filming at SK Speedway for this episode. That's what I, that's what I, I heard. That'll be that hits home. I mean, that's kind of that's your neck of the woods, kind of. That's that's a, that was a Wasota track. I mean, that was murder at Monster Hall. That was a big deal. That was I don't remember what year it was, but I guarantee I will be tuning into that because I that that's interesting. It was a sad deal. I don't know a lot about it, but it's it's got yeah. my interest. And Dateline usually does pretty good in uh, you know cover you know putting their shows together. So so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that because I don't remember this at all. So this will be all new news to me. <laughs> right, right. So we're going to jump into a new segment here, right? So we kind of had the lock of the week. That's kind of season get close to the end. It's not quite there, <clears throat> but we're going to go with three bold predictions that we're going to make every week, right? And if somebody else is on the show, Puka, I, I, I think was his name that, you know, he's long lost. He's hockey guy now. Um, but we're going to do three predictions every week and something quantifiable, something where we can actually keep track of it and be like, are we right, wrong or whatever? We'll come back. We'll come back next week and we'll be like, or whenever, whenever, if it comes into fruition, we'll give kudos, right? If all of a sudden we're dead wrong on it, we'll, we'll own it. We'll come back and be like, yep, I missed that one by a long shot. Right? So what, what is your, give me three old predictions that Bert has. Doesn't have to be for this week. Something to close out the year, whatever, whatever you got. Um, I didn't write any down, so I'm going on the. I'm going off the top of my head here. I'm gonna say, Superman will win the big paying race of the remaining XR race weekend. So that would be he. He wins the final race at Vegas this weekend, and then I think all they have left 
left is all check, right? Yep. So so he would win the final the, the highest paying race at all tech. Uh, okay. That's one. I'll say Dylan Thornton wins two of the three. Let me write this down. So you're saying he'll won, he'll win Saturday at Vegas and the big one at all tech. Yes. Okay. JD said, okay, I got it. Uh, Dylan Thornton will win two of the three modified races at Vegas this weekend. Dylan Thornton, two of three in mod. Okay. All right. What else should I say? Um, I mean, th this is pretty general, but uh, Tyler Carpenter will not win at the Dome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Carpenter will not win. At the dome. All right. So there you go. So there's Burt's big three. I'm going to say that they might have better cars at Vegas this weekend because there's a lot of people heading out that direction. There's a few surprises. I looked at the list and I was surprised at some of the drivers that are going off to Vegas. But Shane Clanton, for example, like he runs good at Sonoya. I'm surprised he's heading Clanton, over to Vegas. Jimmy Owens. Uh, Brandon Overton, uh, Overton may be following X-Star, though, so that might be why he's going. Yeah, quite interesting, but uh, I will say this. Even though that's all happening, Sonoya will have more cars and better racing than Vegas this weekend, okay? The next one I have is at the Wasoda meetings, okay? At the Wasoda <laughs> meetings, Bill Engelstad will say, use guys a minimum of 25 times. Okay, that's his saying. Use guys, got it. Use guys. That's that's Billy. Okay, if you know, you know. A minimum of twenty-five use guys from Bill Engelstad this coming weekend at the Wasota meetings in Maplewood. And I'm gonna go opposite of Bert. Okay, if Bert is correct, JD will eclipse two million because those two races would accumulate. That'd be hundred twenty thousand. I think that alone would put him over the top. Okay. But I'm going to say that I'm just not feeling it, Bert. JD will not eclipse two million in winnings to close out the 2022 season. Hate to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> All right. Another thing I want to do. Hey, happy birthday! It's birthday today. It's Tuesday. We're doing this. 45J, right? Give him a little grief earlier. Johnny Broking, happy birthday. Um, I talked to him over at Casino Speedway, and, and Todd did everything he could. He tried scheduling an event for this. He wanted to have an event today. He wanted to have an event, and he was going to personally pay for Johnny Broking to come over so that uh, TPO could give him his birthday spankings, but it just didn't work out. <laughs> I love you, Johnny. I love you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So our standings, Bert. I gained a couple. I lost a couple. I gained a couple. I lost a couple. You and I stayed. You're still stratospheres ahead. We both made up points on Puka. You spread out on Puka. I closed the gap on him. Right now, the goal for me is to not lose to the flat build visor wearing. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Like, I got to catch Puka. This All right. Um, well, so he's well, second, third. 
your chances of uh, gaining points are dwindling, though, because they, we're, we're they, getting to that point of the season where there's not much racing anymore. Although I'm surprised we're not picking the sport mods at Vegas this weekend. Yeah, we probably should. We should. <laughs> Fourth, Mike kind of put the block out there on Brad. So uh, it's been fun. We got, uh, we're going to do this again next year, and them guys will start a little bit earlier. And uh, so that, you know, that leads us to this. You know, we got a couple races coming up this weekend, Bert. We got the Castro Flow Racing Night in America, Friday and Saturday down in Sonoya, Georgia. Um, the, the races I watched there last year, I mean, there was some really, really good racing there. I'm expecting more of the same. And then uh, the track has improved out in Vegas over the past few years. It's gotten better. It really has. So the XR Super Series out there with the late models, you know, they got mods. They got, do they have Midwest or sport mods out there? I didn't, I don't think they did. I think it was just stock cars, mods, and late models, but I'm not positive on that. There was a driver's list for sport mods on their Facebook page. Unless that was for, unless maybe that was for a different weekend. I don't know. Yeah, don't a word to me for not having my shit together on that one. But, <laughs> um, I, but yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised that, uh, a Castro flow race and the XR races were on the same weekend. What is, and, you know, they're, that, I mean, I mean, they're bird, I, mean that's, I think I, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious that, um, the racing groups are battling for, for position. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's sad is what it is. Right. Cause it, it'd be very easy for one of them to go, you know what, let's just move ours back one week. Not a big deal. Right. Not a big deal. Now they're running directly ahead against, uh, against each other. And, and there's no love loss there. I mean, it's, well, it's I, I was just going to, I was just going to say based on some of the comments that, uh, Barry Braun has made, you know, I don't think the other organizations are going to be too sympathetic to, oh, let's move our race so they can have their race. And, and it's a different philosophy, right? Because, because, and not, Barry did restructure a few things and he did do some Monday stuff to kind of tag on the end. So he, he didn't go head to head quite as much as I anticipated. He did change right. that. But um, the flow group, right? You know, they, they made a, a strong point you know, Ben Shelton and them, they, they made a strong point of, we absolutely do not want to run against any of the traditional series, which would be the Lucas oil, right. Or the world of outlaws. They did not want to step on any toes. They wanted to run either, you know, kind of complement that weekend by doing something right before, or just a separate weekend altogether. They get it. They understand it. They get it. You know, um, it's going to get to be determined if Barry does. He's trying to be the big man on campus by knocking everybody down. Not that he hasn't done a few good things. I'm not saying that, but right. man, oh man, like it's not good for the sport to be doing it the way that he is sometimes. So we'll see how that all transpires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are you looking forward to? Oh, you're going to be at the meetings. You may not even have time to watch racing. Oh, I'll have time. Somebody else will be all partying. I, I don't, I don't, I don't party, right? I might need a beer after, you know, being sitting in the meetings all day. Probably only take one to get me, uh, to put put me to sleep, so to speak. But you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the meetings. I am because I, I mean, I love racing. I'm critical of the Wasota Promoters Association because I want them to improve. I want racing in our area, in our region, to be better. I want that. 
I look at it, I'm like, they don't get it. They don't get it. Like, I don't understand why they don't get it. I don't know if it's just not knowing how or late. I don't understand. There's so much more that could be done. USMTS pays 100000 to win, right? And, and Wasota hasn't upped their game in 25 years. It's just, why? Why? You know, and if they don't have the capabilities, hire somebody who does, right? There's people out there like me and I've on several others that are passionate about racing, put people in the right places to make Wasota racing better for everybody. And, and that's what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a wrap. That's a, that's a wrap. That's everything for this week. <laughs> this third, yeah, episode 153 in the book, Bert. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned. Jump on next week. Everybody will get a recap here from the Wasota meetings. There'll be some good late model action on. Not sure what else is on, but tune in, you know, check out some racing and hopefully uh, we can enjoy a little bit more warm weather before she gets nasty. And uh, wow. we'll uh, see everybody next week. Here it's supposed to be highs of high 20s and low 30s this weekend. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to talk about that. It'll be 70 some inside of every building I'm in. I don't play outside in the cold. So, again, so. racing, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, uh, enjoyed a little bit of tonight's episode episode 153 in the books and uh, we'll be back at you all next week production of goat sports media llc